Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, the Ty Reed Film Movie Debate Podcast hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. And I'm <laughs> William Venom Doesn't Suck, Johnson. I love how you put a question mark, Ron Burgundy. That seems very appropriate. Uh, Ron and I are very damn glad to have you. So, folks, this is all for tantrum's sake. We're shared passions and high fives wash away any place for hate. In the end, we encourage you all to love what you love. But for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. This week, we have a special guest named Rachel. Will, will you tell us about Rachel? Yes. Well, Rachel is my super duper Marvel pal. We gossip like small children in a high school bathroom about Marvel stuff all day. Like I, I can't function without making sure that Rachel is aware of every new development that I get or every new statue that I buy or whatever. We're, we are the best of Marvel friends, but she's also a great and creative writer um, and fan and cosplayer as well. So, uh, but I, I want to let her uh, speak for herself a little bit. Hey, thanks guys. Yeah. I'm, I'm a woman of many talents. Um, mainly I've just been um, rewatching everything Marvel um, since all of the Disney plus shows have come out and that kind of led me down this uh, rabbit hole of rewatching all of the Spider-Man properties and yeah, thanks for having me on. You bet. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we have always talked about cause uh, me and Rachel, that was kind of one of our blind spots was that we had not seen any of the Andrew Garfield mm-hmm. uh, Spider-Mans, and we had not seen Venom. Um, basically, as I've stated on previous episodes, I despise the character of Venom, and I despise Carnage even more. Um, but um, now that there's so many rumors, which could be you know pointless or not true at all, but there's so many rumors about all these characters from other properties coming back in the multiverse for Spider-Man No Way Home. It was kind of like, all right, I'll dig in and do this. And um, uh, Rachel was a little bit more uh, excited and thoughtful about it than I was. I pretty much just watched him and was like, this sucks next. So So if you can catch our drift here, folks, we are going to talk tonight about the two Andrew Garfield, Mark Webb, Emma Stone, whatever triumvirate you want to paint for this. Spider-Man films from the the aughts. No, this is would be the aughts. It'd be the teens, right? Um, yeah, 2012 and 2014. All right, here we go. Oh, taking it back here. Um, our format, folks, is this. The recommending lover goes first. They will get five uninterrupted minutes to shower their praise and state their high-minded case. The hater will follow with five uninterrupted minutes of their own to present their counterpoints with any manner of intellectual scorched earth. I think you all get the hint that that's going to be Will. After that, we open up for five minutes of shared conversation where the hissy fit really gets chippy. We hope you've got your judge's scorecard. I don't know if you can redeem these movies, but we're going to try. And folks, I mean, let's go. Rachel, you in for this? I'm first, right? Yeah, let's do it. All right, five minutes. I, oh my gosh, I have to be the lover of this. I... I know. I feel like a loser already. Sorry, let me get my my Venom voice. You're a loser. Yeah, you're a loser. Let's just do the whole show with that voice. No. No, I I need like a cough drop and some tea after that one. All right. Let me me get back to the five minutes that goes with this. So, I... I have to be the lover. Damn it. Um, I don't mind these films. I was telling Will off the air that if I can get my brain drunk enough to, to be like, hey, 
they've never had a Spider-Man movie before. Or, hey, there wasn't the whole MCU going on with all cylinders at the same time. You know what? This wouldn't be a bad movie. And it really probably wouldn't be a bad movie. The hard part is, and this is, boy, the, the, the love stops there. The hard part is, this movie came, uh, the, they really need to make a rule that reboots are required five or 10 years or more, you know, because this, this came too early. There was, I know, and it's detached from where Marvel was really chugging on all cylinders. And then they went for the whole modernized updated origin thing to kind of make it a reboot instead of a sequel. Not that you could really get a sequel out of where it left off with Spider-Man three, but you know, you also have a, a movie universe and, and comic book landscape where you watch Christopher Nolan, you know, in, in Oh five, uh, do what kind of in a way needed to be done, at least to do something different with Batman, where you kind of strip it down to, you know, strip it back down to the, the studs and, and build something new and something revisionist. Now, whether those films are amazing and they work, it, you can, you can't say they were Joel Schumacher re, you know, repeats. And, Unfortunately for me, in a lot of places, what Webb is doing here and the writers who, unfortunately, it's the same writers who did the Raimi films are like, they're like, let's just take a Xerox machine. So they, it's, it's not revisionist enough having, you still have a 27 year old Andrew Garfield. You, I guess you can push away the MJ thing and go straight to Gwen Stacy, which is more comic book and nice. And I'll, I'll tip my hat to that. And I'll tip my hat to, you know, uh, Sally Field and Martin Sheen being a better Aunt May, Uncle Ben dynamic to me than Rosemary Harris and, and Cliff Robertson. The first one. They're okay. Hey, five on earth a minute. Shut the fuck up. So I don't mind them. I mean, I, of course the older couple is more adorable, but th- these are more forthright characters that have some character. Now the problem is the other movies have been done and Raimi did them better. So this movie has to come in and kind of be this, this ah, has to be this, this blockbuster that tries and it was too small potatoes to kind of pull that off. Like I said, Andrew Garfield's too old. The James Horner score is kind of James Horner, you know, repeat week where it's not that it's hard. You just, it was too soon after Spider-Man three to really shake out what, what we really still loved and held on to with the Raimi films. And the saving grace that I have for two minutes to try to still sound like the lover of this film on is I do like Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. I wish they would make a great older prepared Spider-Man. They're not convincing high schoolers. Andrew Garfield is the same 27 year olds old that Tommy, Toby Maguire was when he made the rainy films and he was too old to be a high schooler. And that's the hard part here is, when you have a reboot, you have great characters and some good casting possibilities. And I don't mind Dennis Leary one bit either. And the lizard's a new take, which is good, but this is a reboot that's trying to reinvent a character, but it's a character that is just too familiar and too convenient. And unless you're going to make a big tonal switch, it's just not going to happen. And, and I'm going to go on a rant for the last minute here to kind of seal this in. And my, my biggest problem with any Spider-Man universe, Raimi, Garfield, Holland, is, and, and it's something that no movie writer can change unless they're really, really going to strip it down Christopher Nolan style, is that it is a far too convenient, muddled family tree where all the characters and all the villains know each other. And I'm going to read a line from my review back in 2012 where it's a comma and clause festival. 
So Peter conveniently goes to school and falls in love with Gwen, who just happens to conveniently know Spider-Man's secret identity, who just happens to be conveniently the daughter to the head of the police captain hunting him, and just happens to conveniently work for Oscorp as an assistant to Dr. Connors the Lizard, who conveniently knows Spider-Man's identity and just happened to conveniently work closely with Peter's parents back in the day, all for a company that is mysteriously run by the absent but mentioned Norman Osborn, who will again and finally conveniently just happen to become spider-man's biggest villain the green goblin at some point in a city of 20 million people where god damn it find somebody else to have and be around so i that part of spider-man always annoys me and always will where this movie looks cool and it tries but it's it's it it wasn't revisionist enough to give us something new and different when we were ready to get something new and different okay first off hey Turns or later. Turns or later. Rachel, you are up next. Rachel's next. Rachel's next. Rachel's next. Then hater is you, and pile on all you need to for your time. No, I wanted. I wanted to give you an extra minute to comment on Amazing Spider-Man Two because you seem to only be commenting on one. Oh, okay. I'll take that extra minute. So, sure, 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 sure. I guess we're stretching this into two films. So, I'll take an extra minute. So, for Spider-Man Two, I have to admit. I like Spider-Man 2 better than the, the first Amazing Spider-Man because the origin bullshit is out of the way and you can kind of get to business. Now, by the time they do that, um, again, I, I love the Garfield stone chemistry. All that is great. But then you're right back doing the same mistakes that Raimi made that sunk the franchise, which is you're packing 10 pounds of sugar in a five-pound bag. Tell a good Spider-Man story without a zillion other things. If you're going to have Electro, just do an Electro story. If you're going to have a rhino movie, just do a rhino story. If you're going to start mixing in a new Green Goblin, it's just too, too much. And once again, you have that whole force connections and dumb thing. So here's my one minute rant one more time. It is utterly dumb and incredibly convenient that in a metropolitan area of nearly 20 million people, Peter Parker loves Gwen Stacy, who just happens to be the daughter of Captain Stacy, the fallen police chief that haunt that that haunted but then helped Spider-Man and now haunts Peter still years later, while he himself is still haunted even more years later by his lost parents, Richard and Mary, who just happened to work for the omnipresent Oscorp alongside Dr. Connors in the first film and Norman Osborn in the second film, where 15 plus years later, Gwen herself works at. Alexei Stajewicz steals from and the company's dangerous experiments still exist for the scenarios where Peter can be bitten by a radioactive spider to become Spider-Man. Norman and Harry can share the same disease that only Spider-Man's blood can possibly cure. A treasure trove of villain future villain swag resides and Max Dillon in a slam dunk workman's compensation case can be accidentally turned into Electro, which naturally happens after Spider-Man saved his life, boosts his self-esteem, and he meets Gwen Stacy for fun's sake at the office. Damn it. Find other people in New York to have villain and relationships with. Make a new character than just repeating the same old Spider-Man bullshit. The hard part is, that's all of Spider-Man and always will be, and I hate that about Spider-Man. But yeah, there's my one extra minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, glad, glad I glad I let you do that. Okay. Oh, you're welcome. That's good <laughs> writing. Moving on, moving on. Yeah. So much Nolan references for my sake. Nah, but go ahead, I Rachel, know. You're right, up right. next. Rachel, okay, I'm throwing so- on a six minute. Do whatever you got to do, though. All right. Okay, so I just want to go ahead and preface this by saying that, like, I watched the Tobey Maguire movies when I was in college. They were kind of like the level set. This was, I mean, this was pre MCU and 
everybody kind of knows what Spider-Man is. Like you grew up reading the comics, like in the Sunday paper or whatever. Um, and so really like my point of reference for Peter Parker and Spider-Man is that he is this joyous, wonderful character that also kind of has like a dark edge, but not like super dark. Like he's not Batman. Um, he's not like Superman either, but uh, why am I using all DC references in the Marvel discussion? Um, <laughs> Will's going to take my Marvel card. Um, but anyway, like it just kind of feels like he, he, I mean, like the, as the phrase goes, like he's a cinnamon roll, he must be protected. And it's, <laughs> it's kind of like that. Um, he's, He's like a a really like sweet and in, endearing character, and I think what rubbed me the wrong way with the Andrew Garfield films is they really went like too hard on trying to make him edgy and trying to make him like really emo and conflicted. And it's like there was some of that in the Tobey Maguire movies, to be sure, but like this was like. He's going out and like beating up people and like not bringing eggs home to Aunt May. And it's like, it's the problem. It's a big problem. And then you've got, you know, and I'll, I'll agree with Dawn on this. I, you know, I love Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy. Like she's my preferred Gwen Stacy. Cause I, um, I wasn't too big on, on, is it Bryce Dallas Howard in, um, yeah. yes. Okay. Um, like she just she seemed like she seemed too old to to be in that role but like i always feel like toby and kristen dunst like look younger maybe i don't know so anyway um i love emma stone i think she's like the biggest part of what made me continue to watch these films although in the second one i was like oh my god I, I really want her to break out and and sing that song from la la land so she can go to oxford instead of dying and then, you know, of course she doesn't, and then she ends up dying and it's really dramatic and terrible and <sighs> come on guys, can we not, I mean, and I know it's in the comics, but like, it's just like, no, I don't want her to die. I want her to go away. Don't get messed up with this kid. But anyway, so yeah, like the first movie was like a really hard watch for me. Um, it took a lot of... <sighs> it took a lot of effort to get through it. And then the second one, like Don said, you kind of get some traction because you've got all the origin story writing kind of out of the way, and then you can kind of do whatever. But then again, they are doing a lot of things all at once. And you're like, hang on. I, when, when Garfield's in the suit, he's great because he's got that kind of like, you know, he's kind of like verbally sparring with people. He's got that sense of humor. You know, we kind of seen that with Tom Holland too. So it's, you know, as long as he's in the suit and he's doing Spider-Man things, he's pretty cool. But like when he's just Peter Parker and he's being emo, I just like, I couldn't deal with it, man. It was too much. And like, and and I rewatched Spider-Man 3 and rewatched Tobey Maguire be like My Chemical Romance, Peter Parker, and do that weird scene (laughs) in the jazz bar where he ends up slapping MJ. And that's really upsetting and problematic. And we'll talk about that later. Um, but like, I just like Peter Parker doesn't need to be like super emo. That's not who he is. And I feel like they just kind of, they, 
they tried to go too far with it and it really didn't work for me. So yeah, those are kind of my feelings on the, on the Garfield films. Although like, I mean, they, they brought out other villains that we hadn't seen in the second one. And, and that was kind of good. Although I did have to turn to my husband and be like, okay, so who, who is it? Like, it's a rhino. Okay, cool. That's, that's <laughs> I'll be completely honest. So, like, I I did not grow up reading like Marvel comics, but my husband's huge into comics and used to sell them and everything else. And and I can tell you that every time I I went to a Marvel movie, I would have to lean over at the Easter egg and be like, okay, so so mm-hmm. who who are the Avengers? What's happening? But I was so proud of myself. The one that I actually got was. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy when it was Howard the Duck and I pointed at the screen I was like I got that reference like Captain America because (laughs) (laughs) Um, and everybody was like no stop Um, so anyway I'm rambling but yeah like these films they exist and that's good and I'm interested to see how they will tie into No Way Home but I'm not sure how much they will I'm hoping Electro because I felt like he was the most interesting of the villains that they brought into these two films, but who knows? Anyway. Well done, Rachel. Well done. Jesus, that was loud. Hey, dial it up, man. You know what? Hey, just don't, you better bring eggs home for Aunt May, motherfucker, okay? Yeah. yeah. That's the best line I hear. Alright, it's the haters time. It's the haters time. Six minutes. What, I get six minutes? You gave me a bonus minute. I gave her a bonus minute. You get a bonus oh, minute. Oh, okay, cool. All right, sweet. All right. <clears throat> so uh, I watched these films for the first time on a really horrible Saturday night. Um, so I didn't have my kids. Uh, I actually got some time to rest from a very stressful work week uh, in school. And I spent eight hours watching this. And uh, I, you know, I thought about, you know, um, well, I, I, I'm not thinking about self-harming myself, but the thought of just being unconscious would have, was, was on my mind the entire time. Um, I'm still bitter. Uh, I'm still bitter about, uh, Raimi and how he got treated. Cause, uh, in, in Don's, um, very Nolan heavy, uh, five minutes or six minutes or whatever, um, which is disturbing. And he knows I hate that. So I'll have to mention Terrence Malick a few times just to piss him off. But, um, he said something that Raimi sunk the franchise. Incorrect. Raimi wanted to do his own thing and the studio forced Venom upon him and he was forced to put Venom into the story. That is why Spider-Man 3, which I actually like the second most of the trilogy, which makes me very weird, I know, but um, that's why the very compelling Sandman stuff um, disappears and Venom has to be introduced in a very crappy way um so that was not Raimi's fault that was the studio's fault and so therefore i agree that what the studio did wrong with spider-man 3 they also did in the amazing spider-man and the amazing spider-man 2 um the amazing spider-man is essentially i've dubbed it redundant the movie um i, I think it's terrible i think it's lifeless Everything that could possibly be done in it was done better before by Raimi and would be done better again in the MCU. Um, And this is the true crime of it all, is that this film made me want more Uncle Ben. Um, I like Uncle Ben. Uh, He's fine. He's great as a plot device. That is all he is for. 
Uh, and sometimes he was a little layered into those Raimi movies a little too much. But Martin Sheen is so good at this movie that I was just like, oh, the only character I actually like, of course he'll die. Because that's just the way this movie goes. Uh, that's just one of the many thousands of predictable, redundant things that the first Amazing Spider-Man is. Um, because even though they try really hard to touch on the origin aspects that are lesser known, like Peter's parents um, and things like that, uh, they they're just it, they're just trying too hard to make this a serious slash X Games. Spider-Man who likes skateboarding and, you know, doing extreme stuff. And uh, it reminded me a lot of um, uh, Chris Evans in the Fantastic Four movies where he's like a snowboarder and like a skateboarder and he's, he's into these really exciting things. And I was just like, yeah, whatever, fine. Like he's emo and he likes extreme sports. I don't get it. That doesn't seem like those two ideas go together very well, but fine. Um, I was okay with the lizard. That was the other thing they tried. But here's the thing. The Raimi-verse was beautifully setting up, like the MCU does, a wonderful lizard character. They had Kurt Connors in all three Raimi movies. Um, he even doesn't even have his arm at one point, I think in Spider-Man 2 and 3, and he would have been the next villain in Spider-Man 4. So it's kind of like, hey, they wanted to reboot this whole thing, but they already were setting up what they want to do in this movie already anyway. Why not do it with an established, successful franchise? Spider-Man 3 might not be the most critically acclaimed, but it's still made like $8 trillion. So give Raimi another shot. That's that's kind of why I'm, I'm both angry at the film um, and uh, bitter about the fact that Raimi didn't get another shot. This seems like cynical uh, box office. Let's just start over and do nothing uh, interesting with it, except change the look of it a little bit, make him more quote-unquote modern. Raimi captured the comic book aesthetic. Amazing Spider-Man does not. Now, I will defend Amazing Spider-Man 2 a little bit. The first 30 minutes of that is exactly like a comic book from uh, The Amazing Spider-Man or Web of Spider-Man or Spider-Man or <laughs> The Spectacular Spider-Man, any of the comics you can think of. Uh, that, that felt like something direct from the comics, and I love that. However, uh, the actors aren't playing the same characters. Um, the uh, villains are insane. Electro, who I kind of like, is so Joel Schumachery. Uh, that it doesn't necessarily fit into this kind of emo, as Rachel said, chemical my chemical romance green goblin thing that's going on. It, it just it's it's like seventeen movies in one. You've got Paul Giamatti putting on a Russian accent and just saying indecipherable things. The only thing you can understand him saying is spider at one point. Uh, it's terrible. Uh, it has no like dramatic impact. I mean, Gwen Stacy fine, Emma Stone's fine, but her death which was so impactful in the comics to the point where they have never, I mean, with the exception of maybe like a page here and there or a panel here and there or a flashback or something, they've never brought her back because her death is so impactful. The movie kind of moves on to uh, just him fighting Rhino like 10 minutes later. And, um, and, and it also kind of makes Spider-Man an immense dick because uh, what's his face? Uh, what's what's his name? What's the uh, comedian's name? Um, Irish guy, Don. Help me. What's his name? Uh, Dennis Leary. Thanks for the help. Dennis Leary is um, kind of right. He's like, you're going to totally kill my daughter, and he does. Uh, so it's kind of like, oh, this amazing Spider-Man is emo and kind of a dick. So there you go.
Please enjoy a short announcement for the Ruminations Radio Network. All right, now welcome back, folks. Yeah, boy, were any of us at all lovers on that. I mean, we're all, I think we all got things we, you know, take away and go, all right, hat tip, but yeah, where where do you begin, huh? Yeah, I mean, what do you guys feel about, um, mm-hmm. I know that Rachel said she watched these in college. We must be about the same age, and Don's a little bit older than us, I would assume, because um, he looks older than us. Uh, but, That's right. Um, yeah, these were these were college movies for me. These were huge. I remember taking like me and like eighteen people from our dorm going to see the first Spider Man, just having a blast. Um, I think that people, especially fans of franchises, they can kind of smell when something isn't on the up and up, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what Amazing Spider Man felt like to me. It felt like okay, so they didn't get exactly what they wanted with Sp- Spider Man three. So they're just going to take their ball and go home and start over again, which Mm -hmm. seems very cynical. Like, obviously, I don't know, like, Don, did you see these films as they came out in the theater or? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, no, I mean, I was, I was by, you know, doing the press thing by that point in 12 and 14. So I was fully in that. And uh, no, these, if I, to do the Hollywood backstory kind of thing that I know of is they had to make another Spider-Man thing. Like Sony needed to continue to like, every five years at least say they've made something in order to keep the rights to the character. And this was Sony. What was it? You know, five, uh, the limitations that like they waited as long as they could after Raimi Spider-Man three, two, to just throw something together to say, Hey, this is a cash cow. We need to keep it. Let's try to make it our own. And then we, we get this. So this was them avoiding losing the rights to the character. And admittedly, and I understand why, because that is their cash cow. And I think that was right around the same time they had bond underneath their umbrella. Cause that was right. Skyfall was 2012. And that was a huge billion dollar movie for them. And they just held on so hard to, to the bond property into the Spider-Man property. Cause that was the only thing Sony had going. They were making dog shit movies. Like just everything failed for them. It was like men in black three. They had like a five picture deal with Sandler when none of them were a hit. It was bad. Mm. Yeah. I just, I, cause I didn't see them even though I'm a huge Spider-Man guy, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, those were the first comics I ever read as a kid. I mean, anything Spider-Man I'm going to look at, but even I was just kind of like, it just felt just like a bad move. And I, so it just turned me off. And it, unfortunately the, the reception to them hasn't been great. So it just mm-hmm. stuck with me to the point where I finally watched these a couple nights ago and was just bored in the first one and kind of uh, liking that they kind of had a little bit of character in the second one, yeah, but also, kind of, but also I kind of knew, well, this is going to be pointless because we know there's never going to be a third one of this yeah. particular franchise. We know the MCU's done it better. We know Raimi's done it better. So I kind of just sat there being like, what's the point? <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. that's, I think that's how I felt when it was announced that they were starting over and how I feel now when it's just kind of this little side chapter of, uh, of the Marvel multiverse yeah. at this point. I admit I was even shittier about and thank goodness Tom Holland turned out fine. But like when they were <laughs> two years after amazing Spider-Man two, where they were ready to go to, you know, to 
just throw it all away again, reboot it again for the third time in a decade. And they were just going to pop him into a Captain America movie. I'm like, oh my gosh, now you're, now you're just grasping at straws to hold on to what you can hold on to. And now try to get on, you know, grab Marvel's coattails to do it by doing the little two studio deal they did to even agree to have Tom's version in the movie. And uh, I was, thank goodness he's been good. But I was at the time, I'm like, what the fuck are you guys doing? I mean, like, the hype around the Spider-Man character in general is, like, it's so much. Because, like, I remember yeah. I remember when that trailer, it was, like, the Civil War trailer he was in. When that trailer dropped, mm-hmm. everybody lost their minds. Like, That's one of the things I wish they would have kept a surprise. I know that it was impossible to do it, but I wish. I know. I mean, they've, they've always got to give you that little bit of whatever it is. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's... I think that's why I was like, well, I got, I, ha- I have to do my due diligence and I have to watch the Andrew Garfield movies because I don't want to go into No Way Home and not have watched them and understand what they're referencing because I do, at this point, I have grown in my, in my Marvel fandom that like I do like to at least know what they're referencing now so I don't have to lean over to you know my husband every time and be like, okay, so what is this? <laughs> um, but um, and and I feel like that was the vibe we got off of the newest trailer i know don doesn't watch the trailers but like the no way home trailer like i like i can't i can't tell you how many sidebar conversations and chat groups i have had where i'm just like yelling about you know (laughs) rainy spider-man things are happening again and it's like ah so and you know and, and it's kind of like watching yeah and i don't know if i'll watch the reaction videos i'd love to do that in my spare time i'm a nerd um, but like, if you're watching like a reaction video for like Infinity War, where is the most crying when like Tom Holland like gets sick and turns to dust? When is the mm-hmm. biggest cheer in Endgame besides Captain America and the uh, you know him being worthy of the hammer? It's when it's when Tom Holland reappears and we're like, thank God, everything's mm-hmm. gonna be okay now. Yeah, that's the thing is Spider Man is easily. I think even post MCU, Marvel Comics' biggest character where he will always have global attention, that mm-hmm. character will always sell and always put butts in seats, even if you throw a shitty movie in. Which is why which is why I'm stunned Will didn't make it, you know, because like, hey man, it's Spider-Man, you know. Mm-hmm. No, because like I said, I think you can as a fan, you can sniff out these things. That you can sniff when it feels like you're being patron like because I mean, I'm not trying to like pat myself on the back or read, you know, I will gladly promote Rachel and how awesome she is as a geek and stuff. I like to think that a lot of us are a little bit smarter than the average bear. You know, we like think so too. We, we kind of know that, you know, the reason why we defend the MCU so much from these people who don't claim it's cinema is because we see the art involved. We see the effort that goes into it. We see, we see the storytelling, you know, like, to me, like these Garfield Spider-Man films, these are the kind of films I think people like Scorsese and stuff would criticize because they are kind of commercial products. Mm. They feel mm-hmm. like commercial products. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like uh, the, the MCU we know is different. It, it, it runs on artistic integrity first, but a lot of people don't see that. That's fine. However, mm-hmm. there have been times, even in the MCU, where you're kind of like, okay, I, I, see, I see that they're pandering a little bit to this or they're gonna they're trying to sell me a little bit on this i I was actually a little skeptical 
Uh, I'm glad I wasn't. I'm glad I'm not anymore. But I, I remember being a little skeptical of the Disney Plus stuff yeah. because I, I kind of thought, oh, so this is kind of just their way to get things. Like, are these are these TV shows really going to be on the same level as the films? Now, I'm happy to be proven wrong. But mm-hmm. that smelled at first like a corporate decision. Unfortunately, the art prevailed on that. But these these Garfield Spider-Mans, they, they definitely feel like, like you said, in, in history, it's even happened to Marvel before with, if everyone knows the infamous Fantastic Four, Roger Corman's Fantastic yep. Four, which has never been released, um, that was made purely for uh, rights issues. Um, you know, uh, recently, uh, Pet Cemetery was made because uh, Stephen King is a hot product now, and the studio wanted mm-hmm. to keep the hold of the Pet Cemetery name, so they made a very subpar or average, you know, remake of it. Um, one of the worst Hellraiser sequels is one they put together in like three days because they were like, oh, crap, we're running out of rights. And they were like, let's put one together with a fat pinhead. And then it was it was awful. And it, it just, when you say that, when you're explaining that, like, oh, my God, they're running out of the rights, you can feel that. You can sniff that if you're mm-hmm. smarter than the average mm-hmm. bear, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah and, that, sure. and, and I know I know you gave me shit for doing the Nolan thing, but honestly, like, when when they just try so hard to squeeze... And Rachel said it too, the emo stuff or the current stuff, in, instead of making a very timeless Spider-Man, that you, if there was ever a chance to do something revisionist or just something different just to shake off that rust or stink, they still couldn't even do that. And like, and that's not to say that you can't have like a disillusioned Peter Parker because we got that in the animated film, you know, yeah. into the Spider-Verse, and it was done beautifully. And you And you get to see all these different versions of, of spider-man and i'm hoping that that's what no way home will turn into it'll be kind of like that because from my money like the best spider-man movie of all time is into the spider-verse because you're oh, bringing yeah. in, you're bringing in all these different elements and you know like you're like you're bringing in war spider-man like really like you're going that far with it okay that's cool mm-hmm. um so I, I think, and I, I think like there's good fan service and, you know, the Russo brothers have, have done a good job of that. And even, you know, Josh Whedon, even though he's very problematic and we don't talk about him anymore in fandom, <laughs> uh, he no longer exists. Um, <laughs> like uh, it's kind of like there's good fan service and then there is like really bad fan service. And then there are decisions that are made in boardrooms and mm-hmm. these movies feel like decisions that were made in boardrooms because I agree. contracts had to be kept. I mean, they don't even feel if you I watched them back to back last night. Like I said, I was in misery, uh, but they don't even feel like the same. It, it, it almost feels like they made the first one just to get it off the ground, mm-hmm. yep. preserve those rights. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, OK, let's do something. completely different. They're like two entirely different movies. And I don't mean that from I don't mean that in a good way, because yeah. we've seen that before. Even the MCU's done it. They've done. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You know the two, the two first, the first two Thor movies are a little oh, yeah. self serious, whereas Thor Ragnarok became just a living comic book. So mm-hmm. you're, it's okay to switch gears. It's okay yeah. to do that, but this one feels like it was just like, oh, okay, now we can we can really like do some goofy stuff and and, and push the envelope because I mean the Peter Parker and the Spider Man, um, they are completely different between both films. Like yeah. I, I mean, My they just. They don't feel like the same characters. The world doesn't feel the same. I, I, I was actually going to mention, and I want to know if you guys feel the same way about this as well, but I think one of the biggest crimes 
of the first Amazing Spider-Man is that it, it, you can tell it was filmed in California. It does not. <laughs> it does not feel like New York at yeah. all. Whereas, like Sam Raimi is like, this is New York, and we're gonna oh, yeah. like we're gonna swing him around the American flag fifty yeah. times, so I you know, know it's New York. There's, there's almost a Michael Bay movie for a minute there in a Raimi <laughs> film, you know. You no, mess with Spider-Man, one of us. You mess yeah. with all of us. And, and but some of that shit. I, I I dig, and then some of it I don't like. The the train scenes, Spider-Man Two, everybody loves, and I, and rightfully mm-hmm. so. But then this what the silly crane thing in the first one of the Garfield ones, like oh come on, that's that's just it's not New Yorker enough, or it feels forced because we have to do something to make it look as cool as the train thing in Spider-Man Two, where like you said, they're just trying to re up what they think is cool and people will like. You know, it just misses. Well, another thing that I've I've mentioned on previous podcasts before is what I love about Marvel in general, especially the current iteration, who's running Marvel now, Kevin Feige, mm-hmm. is, and this is what DC has a problem with, is they kind of always have tongue firmly in cheek. Like, yeah, they kind of know that it is absolutely ridiculous that there's a man who can shrink to the size of an ant. They kind <laughs> of know it's ridiculous that this yeah. guy can have iron suits you know like it never takes itself too seriously to the point where like you you are able to suspend your disbelief to a reasonable level like and yeah. you just buy you just buy it there's there's like some there's it, there's no realism it, yeah. to it it's rare it, that they go really gonzo to the point where like what the fuck guys you know right they, they, this, they have a very good nose for that they have a very good nose for that this movie oh boy it, it feels because and Raimi captured this perfect too because Raimi was Ra- really Ra- good at that. Raimi knew because he's basically like a comic book director in the first place. I mean, if you watch the mm-hmm. Evil Dead films, you watch all oh, of his yeah. horror films, he's he, he it's almost like he kind of you're kind of in on the joke as an audience member. And and Raimi, like I've never questioned there was never a moment when uh Toby Maguire is saying, like, back away from her, Gobby, you know, like where I was like, yeah. that's ridiculous. But Garfield would say some of these things like "you're being a bad lizard," you know, and stuff like this. Where I'd just be yeah. like, "Jesus Christ, what is this?" Like, this is clearly a man in a spandex suit doing silly things, and mm-hmm. that's where you get your—that's where the fantasy goes to die once yeah. you start looking at it from a realistic sense. And it's like Rachel said, because he's so emo and edgy, and and like. I'm so sad, man, because my parents and my my uncle and <laughs> right. I, I like this girl, but then I'm getting picked up. Like it, it just you but can't I can be do a wise that. Occur in a suit two seconds. Yeah, later. Th- yeah, yeah. You can't do that two seconds later and just have a di- a guy swinging between buildings. You know, it's yeah, just, yeah. it's, it's mm-hmm. the MCU manages to balance that much better. They do, and I tell you what, like Holland has his you know golly gee, you know Spider Man quippy things. We haven't unfortunately. We haven't seen him do, do uh, the first movie. Spider-Man Homecoming is is good for like what Spider-Man is at its heart, like a street level hero, you know. And once he goes to Europe, it gets a little big for its bridges where the streets kind of aren't really streets we can gravitate to because it's weird Italy stuff. And of course, all his Avengers, and, and, but all of his Avengers appearances are like the, you know, cosmic galactic stuff that is the Avengers movies where. I'm really looking forward to the new movie because I hope, I, although the multiverse stuff scares the shit out of me, that we we get a street level Spider Man again and not the next galactic amazing. I, I think that I think that train has passed. They they've made a joke about it. I mean, one of my favorite lines from Far From Home is when 
he's like, hey, I'm just I'm just your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And Samuel Jackson's like, bitch, you've been to space. Like, know. you know, like, I think that train has passed. Oh, like, and it, I that, and I hate that because that's I would I would watch street level Spider-Man movies where the hardest thing he ever does is like Craven all day. It would be great. But and they're gonna just I, send him up against the next big thing every single time. It's just too much. And that's why I really like the first two Disney plus shows, because I feel like even though there's all this galactic stuff that's happened, yeah, it, it gets down to back to very simple. Oh yeah. Um, like WandaVision is very much a personal story, like in a very personal environment. It's, it it yeah. has impacts on the greater universe, but it's very, it's still very personal yeah. and almost, almost like a one town kind of drama. And yeah. Falcon and Winter Soldier just deals with like vigilantes and black market people. And, and I love that because yeah, like you have to remember that these heroes are right. in the end, they are in uh you know, a street yeah. level, you know, they're not always saving the planet uh, all the time. Well, you two talked about college catching these movies. Like Spider-Man for me is the nineties cartoon. And that's, mm. that's, that's oh, a yeah. New York street level hero thing where mm-hmm. you can have big arcs, you can have big stories, but it still stays beneath the clouds and it works really cool. See, that's why I was surprised you don't like the connections. See, I, I think that when you have something like the Raimi-verse where everyone knows each other and mm-hmm. works with each other, uh, you, you get yeah. away with it. You get away with it because it's put together, excuse me, put together so well. I think that in, yeah. in Amazing Spider-Man, you're like, this is ridiculous because I'm not sure what I'm supposed to believe. Am I supposed to be like, is this supposed to be like a like a uh down-to-earth teenage emo yeah. thing or is this a superhero thing like you don't know so it's easier to pick those things apart but mm-hmm. spider-man comics and spider-man movies have always had those strange soap opera quality i mean star wars I does know. the same thing you know what i mean and we don't really necessarily question that <sighs> i know it's just i guess it's the number of layers like all right i get it like the the, the peter and osborne connections we've always had and you you should always have but do we need Electro meeting Gwen Stacy in the elevator. Do we need Electro working it out? Like it just, it just ha- have ties, but don't you know? Don't duct tape a motherfucker to a chair with that many ties. You know, like knit things together. Don't tape things together. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Rachel, how do you feel about all that? Like, as the comic book person who you know has your problem over card, does does Spider Man do too much? I don't want to call it nepotism and patronage, but like, is it, is it too connected or just right? Um, I mean, like, I, I think it like, like if we're talking about the Garfield movies, like I, I do agree. Like it's like they connected the dots. They connected all the dots, every mm-hmm. dot that ever was yeah, in, in a circle. Um, like, you know, the Venn diagram is a circle. Um, so it's kind of yeah. like, there's a lot of overlap for the sake of plot. Whereas I feel like, you know, like what, um, Will was trying to say about the Rami films is is they're basically like organic and kind of well paced until you get to the third one and if you just mm-hmm. close your eyes and don't listen to any of the Venom stuff it's actually pretty good like um, it is until Venom shows up I'm right there with you and Topher Grace blows so yeah yeah so, um, it, it, it's kind of like it's just to me it's like it's a balance of elements and I think as long as he's kind of you know like I know technically he's an Avenger now because Tony Stark made him one and you know and he did have mm-hmm. to deal with losing Tony Stark in the the last movie and 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 had kind of like some fears and and emotions around that it never took a turn to where like he lost his hope and I feel like yeah. 
Peter Parker is like a character that's filled with hope. And I, I think as long as they kind of balance mm-hmm. that along with the elements of kind of just, he's, he's kind of there in the background. Cause he's, you know, he's still a kid. Um, yeah. And, I'm, and, and I, you know, well said, I, I dig well, it. And, and I, I agree with you. And that's why I, I think the Garfield Spider-Man's maybe they would have addressed this in a third one, but to me, it, it does betray that essence of the character because um you know the big thing and this was done better in the Raimi verse too uh, you know when uncle ben dies and it's kind of his fault because he didn't stop the robber from whatever mm-hmm. um the the movie uh by the end of amazing spider-man 2 it's like his selfishness like he continued to be selfish because because exactly. in the end dennis leary is right Dennis Leary is like, dude, keep away from my daughter. You're going to get her killed. And he was right. And they try to make up for it at the end by this little kid standing up to Rhino. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that, then Spider-Man. That, that's not it, man. That's not it. That's not right, how it right. works. Right. So I just, to me, this one, not only, I mean, even with Holland, I'm not a huge fan of Far From Home. I think it's a poorly edited movie. I don't think it's that well directed either. I'm with you on that. Um, uh, it's still, like you said, in the end, it's still like even 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 with the Raimi's where I, I like Spider Man three. It's mainly because of the characters. Like I I want to see where Tom Holland goes from this. Like uh, by the time Amazing Spider Man two's over, I'm just done with Garfield. I'm like, dude, like mm-hmm. you've made mistake after mistake after mistake you know, you're not even the same character. You're, you know, it just, it, it, nothing rings true with it from a Spider-Man yeah. level to anything else. Um, and it just, it hurts. Do you, I got a question to kind of close this out. If you're good with closing this out or at least getting close. Um, could this, cause I, two years, you know, you have two, 2014 for amazing Spider-Man two. Could they have sat on this and let it marinate for two years? And could you have had, the gar- if Sony and Marvel would have worked it out the way they ended up working out where you didn't have to start over with Holland, could you have bought a veteran Spider-Man? Now, I'm not saying it's old as Jake Johnson in, in, you know, into the Spider-Verse Spider-Man, but a, you know, 21-year-old, you know, two years out of high school Spider-Man uh, landing on that roof and saying, hey, guys, with Captain America and being approached by Tony Stark. Could, could that have worked? Could, could Andrew Garfield hold that spot, have those scenes, age a little, little, age it just ever so slightly that it works and not a new guy? Could it have worked? Mm-mm. Nope. I'm immediately against it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Is that because Holland is doing so good and you like the young take that they've done in the character or just uh, Holland or, or is it where Garfield just wouldn't match what they're, what they're doing in the MCU? Garfield is an excellent actor. Um, yeah. He really, he really does his best in these movies. I mean, he's yeah. really given it his all. Uh, he's a great actor. I think that his energy would be against the tone of the MCU. I also mm-hmm. think that even though he's a, maybe a better actor than Tom Holland, though Tom Holland, I think is an excellent actor as well. Um, Tom Holland is not only the same age as he should be, but he's also, I think physically more like he's a dancer. I mean, yeah. he physically has the the chops, ab- ability, the chops to, to, to do the, the Peter Parker thing. Um, what I will say, and I'll let Rachel speak after this, is is basically with Tobey Maguire and um, Tom Holland, I always believe 
that Peter Parker and Spider-Man are the same person. Mm-hmm. With Andrew Garfield, I think that Peter Parker is a completely separate thing mm. than Spider-Man, and that's that's going to kill the believability of that character. Yeah. What do you think, Rachel? Yeah, I agree with a lot of what Will said. I feel like the MCU tone is really punchy, and I feel like when Garfield's in the suit, he's kind of like nearing that kind of level of humor. Sometimes it doesn't always land. Mm-hmm. Um, but like to me, like Tom, like, cause you know, I, I didn't watch the Andrew Garfield films at all. And, and you know, they were like, we're introducing new Spider-Man and I was like, okay, I guess we're just going to go with it. And I swear to God, like Tom Holland just nailed it. Like in mm-hmm. so many ways, like you just, like from the minute like Tony Stark's in his like room and he's trying to hide his spider suit, you're just like, oh, God, okay, yes, you're Peter Parker. This is fine. This is fine. Um, and I I feel like you know, and I I agree with Will on kind of like his ability to move, like because he he is a trained dancer, like he brings kind of more physicality to the character when he's in and out of the suit than you know say to- even toby mcguire did because a lot of that mm. i think is probably cg although that's oh, yeah. very well um but yeah i just i can't imagine the mcu yeah. from holland also. i for for about a half second because of the way andrew garfield is quippy enough in, in costume i could see him with a different writer and different material. And that would be the mm-hmm. MCU's, you know, different writer and different material that he could have pulled it off because it would have been a veteran. I don't want to say a veteran cause he's not like super old, but still older than a rookie, like a veteran Spider-Man doing the galactic thing and be able to kind of launch him from there. But the part that, that you're, you, you all have said it with what Tom did coming in young and having that be attached to Tony Stark with the with the mentor mentee thing, just yeah, that wouldn't it. work. Just, that would not work with Andrew. You know, you would not he, have that emotional like, core. He'd just be another guy there. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like, like he'd be fight, he would be fighting with Tony Stark, and it would be a really weird vibe. Yeah, and I think that people. I, I've heard this, and I, I'm always shocked when I hear it. But um, there are people who really hate the. Tony Stark father relationship, like the Mr. Stark, Mr. Stark. <sighs> yeah. I'm actually, I'm okay with it because to me, Spider-Man's been around so long. It's kind of like mm-hmm. the same thing with Superman or Batman or with any you. of these other characters. Like you can make adjustments. And to me, I'd rather have that father relationship than have another uncle Ben. Like the me fact too. that the, the MCU has not done the spider bite. They've mentioned it mm-hmm. once in passing. The fact that they have not had Uncle Ben in, they've had one reference to Uncle Ben, that's it, like mm-hmm. on a suitcase in Far From Home. The fact that they are allowing the audience to love the character for what he is without defining him through the origin stories. Yeah, um, I agree. Is, is uh, extra special to me, and that's why I will give it a break. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's not a big deal to me, the Mr. Stark stuff, because it it serves its purpose. I mean... That is the whole impetus for okay. Tony Stark deciding to yeah. do time travel because he's like, oh shit, this is my son that I never had, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, it, it's only really like their relationship is only like in four movies. And then now he's dead. So, like, he's going to be his own thing now. And yeah. I think that's what No Way Home is going to play with because I hope so. 
because like Doctor Strange is like, dude, don't, why don't you get a like in the trailers anyway? He's like, mm-hmm. why don't you get a life? And he's like, well, you know, I, I got this thing, and like you can tell he's kind of lost. You know, it's it's nice. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mind that. Well, and hopefully, if we do get Andrew Garfield, because I mean, obviously, like a lot of the Tobey Maguire, you know, Sam Raimi universe has been confirmed in the in the trailer for No Way Home. But um, if we do get Andrew Garfield, and they do have writers that can kind of write him in such a way that it makes sense you know this perspective Mm -hmm. that we got in these movies i'm all for that like make it make sense and sometimes you just need a new writer like um yeah it's kind of like you know doctor who like it depends who's writing the character that said however here is the one thing where i would actually be excited to see garfield and it would make sense is what Loki did, the TV show Loki mm-hmm. did, was they showed that the variants of mm-hmm. different people in yeah. different time periods. I think, yeah, I think not, Loki has set that same. exact thing up. I think Loki has set that exact thing up because for them to do, that's the table setter for all of this multiverse stuff is you'll have Maguire or you'll have Garfield and it'll just be, you know, uh, a Richard E. Grant kind of thing. The mm-hmm. way they did in Loki, where it's enough of a divergent thing, where it's a, in a, you know another place and another time. That's ex- that's exactly how it's going to turn out without even like, seeing that trailer. Yeah, yeah. I, I like would, that. I'd actually be okay with Garfield in that case because then at that point it's specifically acknowledging that his Peter Parker is very different mm-hmm. from the other yeah. ones. Like right now, when we look at Spider Man, we've got three different quote-unquote universes we have mm-hmm. a rainy verse that has its own thing a garfield verse that has its own thing and an mcu if they bring those two in there then to me garfield will make a little bit more sense because then it's like okay this is truly officially canon now that that was an alternate multiverse and yeah. then i might i might be more lenient on I might be more take a different timeline. Yeah, sure. On the Garfield, because then it changes the story because then you're like, Oh, well, this is what would happen if Peter knew about his parents, Mm -hmm. you know, wasn't sure why they disappeared. And then his uncle was huge and in his life, just like it was for Maguire. Um, You know, like it'll, it almost like it, it retcons it to make more sense to me. I would be more Mm -hmm. forgiving of it if it ties into the universe directly, if that makes sense. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Looks yeah. like we have quite a bit of things to hope for when it comes to December. So this is, this has been fun. Rachel, thanks for coming on. No worries. I'll, I'll be back for more. Yes, please. Yes, please. All right. So please. Oh, you know, Rachel, we wanted to, before we go out to our outro, uh, is there any place that uh, we can, we can find you to interact with you, uh, get, get some of this nerdy geeky, loveliness that we can share with the world anywhere we can find you sure i'm over at twitter at all back to front all back to front what does that mean anyway what does that that refer to it's a river song quote from doctor who so ah yes yes uh that's beyond my nerve i don't watch any doctor who rachel (laughs) is the doctor who go-to like if right. you sometimes she'll sometimes she'll drop Doctor Who references in our chats, and I'll be like, I no, I'll be like Chris Farley and Tommy will be like, no idea, I have no <laughs> idea what she's talking about. Although, although <laughs> Doctor Who fandom is currently on fire again, so we'll just leave it. We'll just leave it over there. I'm not look at it right now. <laughs> <laughs> well. I appreciate that, Rachel. I, I hope you guys follow her. She's great. She's a, a wonderful fan, a wonderful geeky presence that you need in your life. So, 
Follow us, though, at Cinephile Hissy Fit on Twitter at Cinephile Fit and on Facebook at Cinephile Hissy Fits Podcast. Uh, also find us both on Letterboxd. Thank you so much for your captive audience and social media participation. Cinephile Hissy Fits is a 25YL media podcast brought to you by RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Please visit, rate, review, and subscribe. If you enjoyed this show, we have more where that came from with interesting hosts and wonderful guests. All available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite shows. Rachel, thanks again. Thanks for having me.